Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. Scripture reading before the lesson will come from Matthew chapter 13, 13 through 17. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you will see, and not perceive. For the hearts of this, of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and do not see it, and to hear what you hear and do not hear it. Please proceed. Can I tell you a secret? <clears throat> I know you're tired. Can I tell you another secret? I'm tired. <clears throat> the, uh, the schedule that we do, that sometimes I hope not uh, um, sacrilegiously called church eat church, um, provides for a challenge for us to keep our focus. I will try to keep my focus as much as I can, and hopefully you'll keep your focus, and uh, we'll spend some time together. It's why I put the lesson here at this spot with this title. We talked about growing in God's wisdom. We talked about growing in God's forgiveness. We talked about growing the body together in love. We talked about growing in service. Now, let's talk about not growing weary in doing good. We are made for good works. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, we are God's creation, His masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. But while we do those good works, it is certainly possible for us to become weary in doing them. After a period of time, even when you're involved in good things, you can get tired of them. And so we have a number of warnings. Let's read from Galatians chapter 6, starting with me in verse 9. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, 
Do not grow weary in doing good. I have a hundred suggestions to keep us from not growing weary. Half of you just fainted. I'm kidding. I don't have a hundred. I don't even have 20. Let's talk about five. Five suggestions to help us in not growing weary while we're doing good. Number one, don't carry the world. Don't carry the world. Whether we're talking about the church, the economy, your family, whatever. Everything doesn't rest with you. And in a lot of things, there sometimes is a perception in our mind that if I stop doing, the world will come to an end. Well, there will definitely be some changes if we do certain things. But if you think you're carrying the world, it's exhausting. You will be perpetually worn out. Just, just stop it. How do we do that? Let's go back to 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm interested in uh, part of a story. You're familiar with the story. Let's start reading in the 13th verse. Now, we've skipped over a good bit, but you'll pick up and we won't lose it. 1 Kings 19, now verse 13. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. Whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. You know what God was telling Elijah? Don't try to carry the world. You're not the only one. Elisha thought he was the only one. Elijah thought he, he was the last person left. It was all up to him. And you know what happened to him? Defeated the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, and then he goes into the wilderness, and he is, he is a basket case. He's worn out. There are some things in our lives that are important, and we have to keep doing them. But if you try to carry too much, you will fail. There are others in the world. Don't try to carry it all. Suggestion number two, 
get some rest. I read a lot of leadership material, a lot of things from churches and groups of different sorts. And there tends to be some themes that are common amongst lots of them, from psychologists, psychiatrists, medical doctors. And in almost all of these fields and disciplines, there is the advice that is fairly common in all of them of needing a well-balanced life. There's a certain amount of rest that you need. There's a certain amount of exercise that you need. There's a certain amount of food that you need. There's a certain amount of time away from your various jobs and activities that you need. You need time for rest. Even the Lord took time for rest. Vince Lombardi, who was one of the very famous uh, football coaches of the past generation, said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. We're not at our best when we're really tired. Right now, you're probably not as sharp as you were when you came into worship service at 9 o'clock this morning. You're looking forward to a period of time away to rest your mind, to rest your body. It was nice to have a, a, a bite of lunch together. If you follow me down the hall later... I do not need a shower immediately. I promise you I'm just as clean as I was when I started out. Paul Owen took me to Phil Sandoval's. I'm thankful for the rest and the food. Some of you left before they fixed the ice cream machine. Shame on you. Those of us who were late got ice cream. We need rest. We need a break from certain things. There are times when we, we feel like we can't step away from what we're doing, but you really can. Mark chapter 4, start reading in verse 33. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat upon the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea. Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now, when you have read that passage before, chances are you were talking about the faith of the disciples and you were looking at their concern, even though while Jesus was there, look at that passage again and find something else there. Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. He's getting some rest. He was working hard. He was with the people. He was always among the people. But he took this opportunity... To rest, even the Son of God needed time to rest. Now, folks, if Jesus needed time away to get away from the people at times and sometimes to to let go of some things in life, don't you think you do too? Number three, let go of anger and gossip. They're exhausting. 
Anger is a cancer that eats us from within. Gossip is a cancer that eats us from within. Both of these attitudes and the actions that result from them are are harmful to ourselves and usually harmful to others. Gossip always is. Anger usually is. And if we harbor these things in our lives, it's no wonder that we find ourselves becoming weary with the things we're a part of. Frustration is draining. When we are upset with things, if you are angry or frustrated all the time, first of all, not only are you going to become fatigued, but number two, you're doing something wrong. You're involved with a group you shouldn't be. Certainly there are some attitudes being expressed or some ideas that are coming into your mind that shouldn't be there. And these things can can take away from every part of us that is good. Now, there are certain kinds of thoughts that, that are going to come into our mind, and they're not always going to be good. But we have some control over it, and it tells us about something that's inside. Matthew chapter 12, start reading in verse 34. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. What comes out of your heart? What comes out of your mouth? What comes out of your mouth is what's in your heart. I didn't say it, Jesus did. So if there is anger and gossip and hatred in our heart, it will come out of our mouth. If those things come out of our mouths, then they're, they're in our heart. If we're honest with ourselves, perhaps there are times when we're around people Are you aware that sometimes you're around people who don't bring out the best in you? That when you're with them, the the conversation tends to turn dark. There There are complaints made about the government, about life, about family, about the church, about whatever. Whatever topic comes up, there's some critical remark that's made. They are unhappy and upset about it. You know that, right? And probably if you're honest, you can even identify the faces of people that when you're with this person, your conversations tend to be upbeat and pleasant and, and good and wholesome and they, they lift you up. And with your other people, it tends toward gossip and it tends toward negative and it tends toward criticism. Stay away from those people. They have heart disease, and that kind of heart disease is contagious. When you are around them, it may become a part of you as well. I heard a story about a man who was having a meal with a colleague, and they were having a conversation about things in their job and work and various things. A waitress who was serving them came along, bumped into the one of the gentlemen and spilled 
a drink down onto the table and then it ran down onto his pants. He jumped up from the table, angry. This was an important meeting and he felt like this woman had harmed his relationship with this colleague. He jumped up and and started trying to brush all the stuff off of him. He was clearly angry. He was venting his rage on this woman who she's trying to take care of things as good as she can. Finally gets it all settled down and and uh, he sits back down eventually at the table and little red face. And he, I'm sorry about that. I, I just, I just kind of lost my temper with that woman. The man he was with had a water glass sitting there on the table. It was almost full to the brim. He thumped it with his finger. Some of the water splashed out. And he said, only what is inside of us can come out. If we find ourselves filled with anger and gossip, that's what's in here. And that will wear us out. And it will make you where you cannot continue to do good. It will wear you down. Number four, encourage someone else. Our self-talk, your inner voice that tells us about who we are and what we're doing, tends toward what about me? So that we're involved in things and life, and we may think, what about me? A few years ago, I was at a church service, and uh, a lady walked up in service, or in the uh, foyer, and I was, I was talking with her, and uh, I thought she had on particularly attractive shoes. She was a friend of mine, and I said, I really like your shoes, they look nice. Well, there was another woman who was standing nearby, and she says, well, what about my shoes? Well, I, I don't know. I, hadn't, I wasn't looking at your shoes. Do you ever find yourself thinking, well, what, what about me? What, what about my side? Jesus talking to Peter and John. John chapter 21. And Jesus tells Peter what's going to happen to him. When he gets older, he's going to be taken captive. You're going to go where you don't want to go. You're going to have something happen to you that, you're, that you don't want to happen. You won't have any control over it. And Peter says, John's there, what about him? What's going to happen to him? And the Lord says, if I allow him or if I intend to let him live until I come again, what's it to you? Why are you, why are you looking at, at, at the selfishness of, of just you? Why do we do that? That's what we are. Our, our, our inner voice is, well, what about my life? What about, what about my trouble? What about my experiences? What about, how is this going to affect me? There's something of that that's natural, but it, it's, it wears us out. However, if we'll shift that to... What about them? 
then what can be very tiring becomes very fulfilling. Serving is actually rewarding. Serving ourselves becomes something of a tiresome practice. And there may be never is enough when we're getting something for ourselves. But when we're giving away, it's different. Some almost 20 years ago now, I bought, I was allowed to have the opportunity to buy an airplane. My mom and dad lived out in Texas. And it worked out on Sundays where uh, the circumstances would allow. When someone was preaching on Sunday evening, I would make preparations. And as soon as services were over Sunday morning, I would go to the airport and I would fly out to Texas. And I could get there in time to preach Sunday night. So I would preach Sunday morning at Maysville, fly out to where my mom and dad lived, and my dad would pick me up at the airport, and we'd drive to the little church. We'd just have just enough time to get there, and I would preach services that Sunday evening. And then for the Sunday night and the Monday and the Tuesday, I would stay there with mom and dad, help them work on their house and do stuff around the yard. They lived on a little farm out in East Texas. And then I'd fly back home on Wednesday morning and be there in time for church. So I didn't miss any services, and I'd have a couple of days with mom and dad. And while I was there, I'd be helping them and do some work. Well, there were a lot of times where, first of all, that Sunday's pretty busy. uh, Preaching there on Sunday evening, flying in the afternoon. We would usually start something that night, do some little project. And then we might work hard all day Monday and all day Tuesday. But I'd go to bed and sleep like a baby. And working on their projects and their stuff, it wasn't worrisome. It wasn't tiresome. And I would get back in and go home, and I would come home rested, even though sometimes I had worked very hard while I was there. You ever help anybody else move? Did you notice how much less frustrating and tiring it is when you help someone else move than when you move yourself? Moving yourself is like, it is the ultimate drudgery. It is so painful, and it just absolutely drains you. But when you go help a friend move, it seems like it goes through pretty quick, and it's just it just doesn't have the same... That's because you don't feel responsibility for it. You're doing something for someone else instead of just thinking about your own problems and your own circumstances and the things that are around you. Helping others feeds your heart and provides for you in ways that doing for yourself just doesn't. I want to read from Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great peace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, 
A Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Barnabas. What an incredible person. The name of Barnabas describes someone who had given himself to serving others. In fact, the influence of Barnabas was so significant that the New Testament says the apostles gave him a nickname. And you know what they nicknamed him? The encourager. The son of encouragement. That is, his source was, he was the very essence of encouragement. He was encouraging someone else, not self. Which brings me to number five. Reconnect with your purpose. Don't carry the world. Get some rest. Let go of anger and gossip. Encourage someone else. And reconnect with your purpose. What is the big why of your life? Why? Why are you here? Why do you do what you do? Why are you working at your job? Why do you... What is your purpose in life? If you're going through life and you don't feel like you have a purpose, then life can become very tedious. But if you feel like you're doing something important and accomplishing something valuable, then you understand the significance of what's there and it is valuable to you. I want to read two passages of Scripture. The first is found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. The story starts in verse 41, but I only want to pick up in our reading down at verse 46. Now, the context here, Jesus and his parents have gone up to Jerusalem, and they have been there, and they are ready to go home. And when they begin to go home, they find that Jesus is not there, and they start looking for him as they go back. Now, verse 46. Now, so it was, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Now, listen to the Lord's response as a young man. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? What was Jesus doing in his life? He was about his father's business. What was Jesus thinking about when he was preparing the men who would be apostles to carry the gospel to the world? He was about his father's business. What was he doing as he was going through the countryside healing people and performing miracles? He was about his father's business. 
The way we do not grow tired or grow weary is when we understand what it is that we're about and what we're doing. When we really understand the big why in our own lives. And now let's read from Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore we are also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. How do we become weary and discouraged in our souls? We're looking at Things that maybe don't matter. Looking at ourselves, feeling like we're carrying the world. Maybe we're full of anger and gossip and other problems. Maybe instead of encouraging others, we are only seeing our own personal self. What is it about me and mine? Do we understand the purpose? Don't be satisfied with just being be better. When we began our discussions on Friday night, I said, I want you to be interested in three things. One, grow in being. Being. What am I? What am I? What what am I doing? Grow in knowing. I didn't use this order. I actually talked about growing in knowing first. What we know, our knowledge, our information. And number three, grow in doing. Grow. Grow up into all things. Now, where were you last year? Where were you the year before? An easy question to ask, maybe not one to answer, is am I growing? And what if the answer is no? Do you know more this year than you did last year? Are you a better person? Have you grown in being better this year than last year? Do you grow in doing? Are you doing better than you did last year? Grow up into all things. Grow. And as Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, we will reap in due season if we do not grow weary. Do you know what it means to reap in due season? If you go out in the spring and you plant tomato plants, let's say, and you go back the next day, will it have tomatoes on it? No. Why not? You say, well, it it takes time to grow tomatoes. If you go out and plant corn on one particular day, would you go back the next day and expect to find a fully mature plant with corn there ready to harvest? No. Why not? Because it takes time. And that's the imagery that Paul uses here. 
We don't grow weary. It's going to take time. And so our service to God is not something that is done just right here. It's going to take some time. And so don't grow weary in doing good because we understand we will reap when it's due season. It's not time for reaping yet. It's time for working. And so we work and we labor until the time comes when we'll do differently. And then we'll reap. Do you know the words to the book of Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 24? You know them from memory? He said, well, no, I don't. Actually, you might. Reading from the Revised Standard Version. You probably don't know verse 21. Here's what it says. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Now, the book of Lamentations, as Jeremiah is describing the destruction that God has brought upon Jerusalem and the challenges that lie ahead, He's seen the many difficult things, but now he's looking to the providence of God and he's recognizing what God has done and what God is doing, and he puts his hope in God. So, when I call this to mind, I have hope. That's verse 21. Then verse 22. Lamentations chapter 3. Revised Standard Version. And you know these words. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. You may not have known that those words came straight from Scripture, from that particular translation. How do we not grow weary in our lives, in work, in serving the Lord? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I'll hope in Him. We grow Stronger, not wearied. We grow better, not weaker, because we continue to trust in God. May God help us as we go through each day of our lives to find ourselves not wearied, but growing and made better. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, Please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.